Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today we are discussing fitness abilities that everyone should have. Mm, this is something that, you know, we've been thinking about in regards to what even is fitness, but then just some of the common, I guess, exercises or abilities that we feel everyone should be able to demonstrate. Um, and we know that not everyone will be able to demonstrate these. So if that's you, as uh, we list off and explain some of these um, concepts that we've been uh, thinking about, then by all means, make sure that you use it as um, fuel to the fire and set some new targets to make sure that you can do these things. Yeah, and this episode isn't to make anyone feel bad, but it's more like a life survival episode. And and I was sort of mucking around off air saying, you know, if you can't do these things, your chances Mm. of survival would be less than a lot of people. And we'll actually get into the actual reasons why, but not to say that you and I haven't gone through phases where we haven't found this difficult. You know, some have been quite difficult, but I think these are fitness abilities, but also life survival skills that we Mm. all need to be able to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really well said. And we'll get straight into it because there's quite a few that we want to make sure that we've got um, the ability to go through. But the first one, which I think everyone would definitely agree with us, will be deadlifting and squatting your body weight. Um, initially we had deadlift, but then we thought, hang on, what about squat? Like that's a fundamental movement pattern. And we should be able to like stand up and move our, our own body weight at least. Um, and I would say at least, do you know what I mean? Like deadlifting and squatting at least your body weight. And of course, when you first like get into the gym or start learning anything, you're going to have to go through skill acquisition and learn the movements, of course. But once you've got the skill down pat, you should be able to build the, your strength up um, to be able to move at least your body weight. I want to be able to set the bar higher than that, but at least your body weight. I know you're you're in a mood today and I love it. We're, we're <laughs> holding people accountable. And just to be clear, we don't mean your body weight as in just your body we mean oh, yeah. picking let's just say you weigh 60 kilos picking 60 off the ground or mm. um having 60 on your back or that's mm. what we actually mean by your body weight and mm. we take i would love to take these into everyday scenarios if there is something or someone on the ground that needs help being picked up you want to be able to mm. to help So to be able to lift up another human or lift up an object on the ground um, Mm. with good technique. So if you practice these skills in the gym, you will be able to move more efficiently in everyday life as well. Yeah, absolutely. Or pick up your shopping bags. Well, singing sometimes. A lot of shopping. <laughs> a lot of shopping. A couple of slabs. No, I'm kidding. Um, but you'll be very surprised that 60 kilos on a bar, right, it's fixed, it's stable, it ain't moving. Well, generally when we're picking up shopping bags or something else, right, it's like dynamic, it's not straight, it's like round, you probably got to hunch a little bit. So this probably puts just as much ten- tension, if not more, than what a 60 kilo deadlift bar would be because it's it's stable, right? And you're, mm. you're bracing, you're controlling, you know it's going to be heavy. So I think it's very reasonable and very fair to say that we should be able to deadlift and squat our body weight, especially like when it comes to hip extension being like the most powerful, strongest movement pattern in our body, uh, it sets a really good framework and a really good um, like bench for everything else. Yep. 
Perfect. And the next one comes in nicely, which is bracing. So bracing your core, the ability to hold tension in your midsection. It stabilizes your spine. Um, The more stronger our brace, the higher our output from our arms and legs. So we want to be really stable. And yeah, the, the ability to brace will also help your ability to squat and deadlift your body weight. But most people only, A, they don't know how to brace or B, they only brace when they are in the gym. So mm. let's just say, yep, I'm about to pick up the deadlift bar. I'm going to brace. But then at home, they might be picking up the exact same thing. The brace kind of disappears. And people, a lot of people actually get injured when they're not in the gym mm. um, because they're forgetting all of these fundamentals. But the better you are at bracing, you won't have to think twice. So it mm. is a really important skill to be able to do. Yeah. And I would say that if you can't brace, you're probably not going to be able to do nearly any of these other things as well. Like you need to be able to develop a strong brace um, and just have awareness. Like I find that a lot of people don't have awareness of their abdomen or the muscles or like the deep core muscles or their pelvic floor. They just don't have the actual awareness until someone brings attention to it or says like, no, feel here or push here or, you know, like develop a 360 brace or whatever it is. Or, you know, if anyone's ever done any sort of, I'm trying to demonstrate by a podcast. Your hands are going flying everywhere. everywhere. But if you put your hands on like your sides, right? Like you should be able to breathe into your sides and consciously change like where your breath goes as well. And I just know a lot of people don't have any awareness of that piece because they've one, probably never been taught. Um, and two, we can go to the gym and just load up weights and we sort of lo- like lose our ability to brace at a certain point when we're um, loading so heavily. Our brace is always going to be the first thing to go. But when you've got a like a heavy bar on your back, I'm not really thinking about my brace. It's just bracing. Don't get me wrong. I'm still bracing. But like I'm thinking about my legs. And I feel like a lot of people do that is they're not developing that sort of innate subconscious um, bracing ability. And then they're just going in and loading up really heavy. And they have haven't developed that yet so when their legs start giving out and it's actually their legs that are burning they're focusing on their legs and they already don't have that bracing capacity yeah that is so true as you said awareness is number one actually knowing that it's a skill that you need to do but then finding cues that relate to you there are so many different ways to cue a brace but I love the one that you mentioned putting your hands on the side of your trunk and then breathing in and aiming to press out against your fingertips or your hands there. So that's probably an easy one. You can do it sitting or standing um, or, you know, getting into the ability to hold planks because that Mm. actually carries over beautifully into a brace. For Mm. some of the clients that I've worked with, I'm sure you've experienced it. You know, you can try every cue under the sun, but it just doesn't resonate. Mm. So then putting them into a plank position allows them to feel what it feels like to be tense in your core. And they go, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. that is what I have to aim to do in a brace. Obviously, it's very different from when you're squatting to planking, Mm -hmm. um, but a plank is a very basic entry point to get your client Mm -hmm. to actually feel something in their core. Mm. Do you know what I love? A dead bug. Like I feel like dead bugs are like, 
so underrated in terms if of performed like, correctly, if performed though. correctly, don't mm. get me wrong. Yeah, for sure. But I just feel like how often do you see people plank and it's like serious anterior tilt and like, they're not even doing it right. They're just pushing their hips up high and they've got this cute little waist. And it's like, if you're bracing properly, like you are breathing into your sides and you, you, you're not sucking in. Right. And I just feel like a lot of people naturally, maybe a lot of females as well, like sucking in was such a common thing, right? Like sucking it in, hold it in tight. But that's like the opposite of what mm. bracing is. So when you take those same things and just expect you, you to naturally do the opposite in the gym, it's not really going to happen. So as you said, we need to be like walking around, actually bracing, like being conscious about our brace, not all the time, like holding a really strong brace, but yeah. just being mindful of the different ways that we can contract um, our core muscles and how we can change our posture um, based on those contractions. But you mentioned a really good one in regards to obviously planking which both Danny and I agree it's a it's a fitness ability everyone should have but not just for like 30 seconds like you should be able to do like 60 seconds plus do you know what 60 seconds is like pretty beginner do you know what I mean like yeah. you should be able to plank for 60 seconds you should be able to side plank for probably 60 seconds so I think that's that minute mark um it's probably the set of a squat right like or the the duration of a set of squats um so that's why we we went with the 60 anyways yeah, love it. And plank with your hands separate, people. A lot of people have their hands together, but separating creates a different base of support and actually makes it harder. So by having your hands separate, I mean, that's a harder version, but a lot of people can sit all day, every day with their hands together, have them separate, focus on drawing your lats down to your bum and there, like squeeze everything, glutes, quads, plank properly as mm. Sherelle mentioned a lot of people put their hips up or the hips drop down you know practice on your knees first but you want to be able to do a proper tight plank on your toes for at least 60 seconds you yeah. mentioned it carries into all of your other movements it's a great way to learn a brace so it is so important boring mm. is all hell but mm. change your language around it you know yeah. um instead of saying oh this exercise sucks say I have to do this for xyz mm. Yeah. And look, uh, like I totally agree. Oh, core training is so boring. Like I hear you guys. It's so boring. Um, I've recently been working with like a, um, a strength coach in person to even just broaden my own um, vocab when it comes to like core training as well. Cause I'm like, I need, I just add some more things to my own exercise library and get my brain sort of curious and thinking differently. And one of the variations that she showed me was a single arm plank. I don't know if you've done that before, but like on one arm, um, trying to create stability, not letting your shot, um, your, your hips twist, or do anything different sorry I was like man that is the hardest thing I've ever done you try and like brace really hard mm. not move anything so there's so many different ways that you can progress regress change up your core training doesn't have to be like just a single double armed front plank there's a lot of other variations that you can include but you have to build from a strong foundation do you know what I mean like don't yeah. go out and do your handstand planks and all this weird stuff if you can't do a front plank for 60 seconds and even a side plank for 60 seconds um do those really strong foundational pieces uh, it's obviously going to strengthen your brace and then you can start adding in some more unstable surface stuff or some other things to keep that progressing too right because everything needs progression even your core work oh love it Sherelle. Now, that is so we're so Prop mature now we are bloody mature now because you know, the reason why we have to be able to hold is because we improve that endurance. 
So we need that endurance when we're training. What a lot of people do is, aside from skipping it all together, which is a big no-no, they want to be entertained because mm. they can't have the discipline to sit there or plank there for 60 seconds. So they're like, oh, I'll just do 100 crunches or I'll just do this where I'm moving and counting and my mind is occupied. That doesn't carry over as nicely mm. as an actual plank um, because it's completely different movements. And not to mention that if you are crunching and, you know, um, doing all of those exercises that involve your hip flexors, more often than not, people are just not doing it correctly. And you're just having a, a good old hip flexor workout. Okay. So it's so important, not only for all of those reasons, but for back pain, most of the back pain clients, if not all, have some sort of weakness in some element of their core. They might have a very strong front plank, but then you go, hmm, okay, show me a side plank, struggle, yeah. or it brings yeah. on the the pain. Or they can't do um, shoulder taps, which is like mm. a variation of what you said with that single arm plank. Um, there's another one where you can just swap arms, which it's both great, but single arm planks that you mentioned and shoulder taps are mm. brilliant for our stabilizing muscles called the multifidus that are super close to our spine. We need that because we need to be able to move our arms and legs while still bracing and planking. So by adding in um, and progressing to those unstable holds, it works those muscles too. Um, as you can tell, Sherelle, you and I are very passionate about it because we've learned this stuff the hard way. Mm-hmm. Now we have the beauty to give it to other people, but we've had back pain before. We've had all these things that we go, damn it, if only I didn't skip mm. all of this stuff. So that's why yep. we're so, you know, preaching it to you guys because it's yep. the real deal. Yeah, 100%. I think, um, yeah, like you said, you learn from experience and um, I've definitely been through, I think I went through like two years of probably chronic on and off back pain. Um, Not like, you know, it'd be good and then it'd be shit and then it'd be good and then it'd be shit. And then, you know, trial and error, like lots of different things. And eventually you figure out what works for you and sort of like what your body responds best to as well. And, you know, exercises that are good for you, exercises, sizes that you probably should avoid like you figure out um your own sort of like cocktail of what's good but the one non-negotiable is just like having a really strong foundation of everything um but your core like makes up a huge percentage of your body and your core is not just your six-pack muscles either like what danny said there's so many other muscles that um come into play and i think if you're anything like me and you just get bored like (laughs) challenge yourself it's like you're bored because you know what to expect so Mm. if you can sort of mix it up um core is probably one of the best ways to do it you know i wouldn't really recommend it for like oh just mix up your lower body training um <laughs> but you know the the outcome that you want is a little bit different right mm. like you want to feel challenged you're not really trying to like you know hypertrophy the muscle you're used like in a sense you are but you're trying to increase the endurance and like you said and be consistent be compliant that's a huge part of training too and i know a lot mm. of people skip it because they're bored with it so it's like that's okay. But let's remember the consistency piece is the most important piece. So what can we do to make sure that you're actually enjoying it? For a lot of people, it's progression or challenge. They're going to be the two pieces that are going to make people feel like they're progressing. I hate going for time for anything, to be honest. Like if someone says 60 seconds, I'm like, oh, I'm just counting down. I would rather go for some sort of other target, like a even if it's like a rep range or something like that in my head, or I'll count, I'll count to um, you know, like I'll I'll count to 60 like 10 times six, like and I'll do 10 rounds. There's lots of little things do but for me it's like mixing up and just progressing and making sure that you are progressing uh with your core exercises as well because something else I was thinking about at the start of the year I was like I can keep building strength and I can keep building 
muscle and I can keep progressing the way that I've been progressing. But what's the one thing I could probably focus on a lot right now that's actually going to have the biggest domino effect on everything, right? Like I can keep, I can keep doing this stuff, but eventually it's just, it's not going to like, it's not going to give me the biggest bang for my buck. It's not going to yield the most results. And that was something where I was like, cool, I think I need to um, improve my aerobic fitness. I think that would be a big catalyst of just improving recovery and a lot of other obviously benefits that we will talk about. Um, But then also I was like, okay, I think um, not the Pilates movement, but I think you know, adopting more of that. Oh, I know it become really trendy. Your voices like, kill oh, me. I love sorry. it. Sorry, um, no, that's true. But I was like, yeah, okay, like probably a lot of stability, a lot of core, mm. a lot of those Pilates because it's an umbrella term, Pilates. Yes. Um, a lot of those Pilates based movements that I personally haven't done a huge amount of in comparison to bodybuilding type training. Right, that's always been my bread and butter, and it still is. But when I was like okay, like I still want to progress in these adaptations, but what's the what's the thing that's probably a weaker link in comparison, right, to everything else? And I think you have to get curious about your training in that aspect once you get to a certain point, because if you do what you've always done, you'll just get what you've always gotten until eventually it starts giving you diminishing returns and then you have to change strategies. And I think that's a huge part of coaching. That's just a huge part of progression in general, um, mm-hmm. not just for your own personal goals, but then like even for myself, like professionally, you know, it's important to be able to push yourself and know how to adapt and change in different ways so sorry that was my TED talk (laughs) no no well we're here to do our TED talk in the form of a podcast so there's no right or wrong talk as long as you want we got the mics no but I absolutely love it Um, and it's really cool to see you going down this path because you know it's something that we're both so passionate about Um, so our challenge particularly I want to challenge anyone who complains of back pain how good are your planks? Chances are they're pretty crap. So <laughs> something to work on. And I say that really lighthearted because it's such an easy solution yeah. to a lot of things. So just bloody mm. do the planks, guys. Do the planks. Shut do up. the planks. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, and the, le- the the next one down is balance on one leg. Um, this is one that Danny and I just come up with last minute because, yeah, like balance is a huge weakness for a lot of people. And obviously we do a lot of like loading when it comes to lunges and things like that. But can you stand on one leg, right? And really hold that position because that's our gait, right? Like when we're walking and um, as you mentioned, Danny, about like the falls prevention piece, like when we get older, we don't just train for building muscle. It's so black and white. We train for longevity as well. Yeah, yeah. And thank you for bringing that up. There have been multiple studies done on elderly who have had falls and the muscles around their hips, so glute med and all of those surrounding structures have actually um, been Mm. deconditioned because they're not used to standing on one leg. So, yes, we look at the hip as well, but then it also goes down the chain to your ankle stability. So it's Mm -hmm. not just for elderly um, people. You need to start now. You need to be able to stand on one leg and even practice with your eyes closed and you'll notice your foot going left, right. It goes nuts. And that's good because you're training your proprioception muscles and structures there to then prevent falls in the future. That is one tool. Obviously, falls prevention, it's a big topic and you have to practice a lot of things, but that is one of the most, Mm. again, simplest reasons. And you don't have to go to the gym and do it, even though I love doing it. But while you're brushing your teeth, just stand on one leg or while you're waiting at the microwave, just stand on one leg. Obviously, if you're going to close your eyes, make sure you've got something next to you in case you fall down, mm. um, but do it in a safe environment. But it is something that you need to practice. I'm just talking, and I know you'll elaborate on this, but I'm just talking about literally 
one leg and you're just standing on it. You're not mm. doing any fancy moves, but just that has to be a, a baseline for everyone. Yeah, 100%. Like you've got to start there. It's the same concept with, you know, the the bracing piece. We can't expect to train our core properly if we can't even um, bring awareness to our midsection. The same mm. with any single leg work, you know, like if we can't stand on one foot for at least 30 to 60 seconds, it's sort of like, well, should we be loading that? Um, <laughs> because again, you're just going to lose that, that sensation properly. So I also think it goes one step further and go um, down to your feet. You know, like that's something I love. I love, I don't love feet. It sounds nah. like <laughs> um, there's a great guy on Instagram called the foot collective. Um, and I've followed oh, yeah. him for years and he has such great content about feet. Um, and it <laughs> sounds so sick. Sorry guys, but it, he how much do you pay a month? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> um, but there's so many muscles like in our foot and obviously everything goes upstream, right? Like our foot's going to impact our ankle, our ankle's going to impact our knee, our knee's hip. Like it's all going to, it all, all has an impact. And when we wear shoes everywhere, um, we lose sensation in our feet right and we we lose the ability to you know really have a tripod foot because we just don't even have any feeling there it's just Mm. fluttering around and shooting around um and our feet like we should be able to lift our toes up individually i don't know if anyone individually we should be able to if you ever see a baby right and you put your thumb in the um, palm of the baby's foot it will wrap its fingers around it's a reflex that we're born with It'll literally our fingers like grabbing. It's with supposed their feet. to be our fingers. That's what our feet and toes. Like monkeys. Obviously, our feet have evolved because we've shoved them in shoes and we're now standing mm. on them and they've evolved. Um, but if you ever look, and this is why the Foot Collective guy he has so many cool pictures and like how he's actually trained his feet to be wider with um, you know, spaces between his toes, and it's really interesting. And I can't even train legs with shoes on anymore. Like I mm. always kick my shoes off when I'm training, unless I'm doing something heel elevated or anything obviously not but the difference between being able to grip the floor and feel it um with my feet versus having shoes on I just can't do it and I do a little bit of running so obviously run in um like running shoes as well but even over time I've tried to slowly reduce the amount of cushioning that I'm using and and go to more of a barefoot minimalist um running shoe um because I just feel so much more like stable in my actual run and it feels like I'm cheating when I've got big cushiony shoes I feel like I'm jumping on pillow I'm like this can't Mm. be right you know, like we should be able to feel and we should be able to develop sensation with our feet. And I just think so many people are so unaware, whether it's an RDL and the toes are flying up or um, a squat and the heels are coming up. Like there's just so many things that people aren't aware of. Very similar to uh, your core, I would say. So balancing on one foot, if you go to do that and you shoot your toes up, you're just going to fall over. So it's going to yep. be, um, you're going to be pretty well aware of like where you're distributing your weight um, when you adopt some balance work. You're right. People just are not in touch with their feet or the ability to tune into what's happening at their feet because of shoes, because mm-hmm. of lack of awareness, because of, you know, taking millions of steps in our lifestyle in a mm-hmm. gait that's not optimal. A lot of people, um, including myself, when I learned all those things about knees out, knees out, knees okay. out, when I was younger, I took it so literally that my big toe would lift off not yep. only when walking, but when training and pretty much doing everything. So for the past like year or two, I've really had to make that my mm-hmm. prime 
focus to actually build that strength. Mm -hmm. Like I recognize that it was coming off earlier, but it takes so long Mm -hmm. to, to really connect and have that as a focus. Um, and at the moment, I reckon I've been rocking a stress fracture for like since November in my foot, because I bought these shoes and I might have spoken about it on here, but it still hasn't healed. I don't, I don't know. It's getting better, but it's not amazing. Just the power of wearing shit footwear. It's not bloody worth. And I'm not talking mm. about high heels. I literally just had sneakers on. Mm. Um, they're just like these little Calvin Klein, pretty from David Jones, nothing super crazy, but they were way too tight. Yeah. And I went walking in the city one day and then the next day there was just a big pop in my foot and I go, oh, I was limping for like two weeks. It's come good, but it's still really sore to touch. And it's literally because I wore footwear that was way mm. too narrow that it just disrupted my structures, mm. add that to repetitive actions, just like walking. And then it's absolutely cooked my foot. So I've had to really focus on rehabbing my own foot from the things that you mentioned. So not wearing footwear when training toe spaces mm. you know how you get your like your nails yeah, that's, done for yeah. everyone listening um it's just what they put in between to dry your toenails out like our foot is actually meant to look like mm. that so we have to take it very seriously because footwear or what those pages call foot prisons which i still love my shoes but it's they're foot prisons you know we yeah. really need to pay that attention because yeah. it's so important and it is ruining our structures when we're just jam packing like our feet in and mm. lucky we're not in the 80s because I, I don't know if your mom wore these but like those yeah. pointy heels now like their feet goes in in a point it's just your feet mold to your footwear yeah. it's quite bizarre and and you know it's just important to have your attention on it because yeah. the damage that it does it's just full on yeah 100 percent. and mm. there's honestly like once you, it's funny once you start learning about feet it's like a whole new world of like yeah. doing, you know, and how much um it can impact your training but then your everyday life too like you sort of see where people walk and you know where they naturally distribute their foot and like you said how feet are actually supposed to look and yeah. like i mentioned we're born with a number of reflexes that actually go away because we lose sensation and we lose touch with our actual feet um even when i go home like i grew up in the country and i used to like never wear shoes around like the the backyard and we have like gravel and rocks and prickles like everywhere <laughs> in the country and um like I used to just run around it's like my feet were just like immune to that right yeah. now when I go home I can't even walk out to the car port without being like ow ow yeah. <laughs> and I'm like oh my god I'm such a little bitch like I need to yeah, like man. harden my feet up again right and I know that even a lot of gyms you're not allowed to take your shoes off like I yeah. say stuff them I like pick them off and I'm like I'm gonna do my RDLs here I'm just gonna walk <laughs> around and go to the toilet or yeah walk around film and drink bottle up but I do it in a conservative way because I'm like it's really important like it's actually really important I'm training my feet it's going to help me with my technique and I really do feel the difference as well so you definitely don't have to take it to those extremes if you don't want to but just get curious about your feet like at home like take your shoes off like walk out on the grass like let them sort of grounding it's called grounding let Mm. your feet sprawl out try and practice um there's something called toe yoga where you can sort of like actually start strengthening the muscles in your toes and your feet um and I was the same as you Danny I feel like a lot of us were taught to externally rotate and push your knees out so much to the point where it actually makes your mm. feet now do it. And mm. I consciously for myself, and this is why cues are so individual, but I consciously cue big toe in a foot 
down when I'm doing any sort of like hip extension or squatting work because of that reason, just because I naturally will roll out now. So, you know, the the way we're cued, the way we're taught, the way we train, it really does impact, um, you know, the progress and the results that we get. And for a lot of people, the pain um, that they might be experiencing as well, like look at your feet. It's not just where you might be experiencing the problem or the issue. Brilliant. We could have done a whole foot podcast. What do you foot reckon? Podcast. Make yeah. some funds. <laughs> <laughs> Redirect to OnlyFans.com though. I think with like a 96% female user base, it probably wouldn't have gone too well, Danny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually that's true. Thanks everyone. All right, moving on to a pretty much related topic. This is your jam at the moment. Oh, mine. Running. Yeah, yours, handball. Run. You know, I was Run. thinking about this. I went for a walk the other day and there was this um lady who ran past me. Bless. She was exhausted, but I thought, you you know it's hot today she's out going for a jog but, no, that's good well i was just looking at you you know yeah. like getting out moving your body like exercising out in the sun and i was just thinking like a lot of people probably don't have the skill of just being able to run and i'm not saying running for like 30 minutes consistently and and you know being a runner i'm not saying being a runner but i'm saying if I said, I want you to run for five minutes straight, could you do it without actually physically feeling like you're going to like pass out and putting yourself into like zone four cardio? Most people <laughs> know, right? Like most people know they probably mm. wouldn't have the ability or they might experience some pain or, you know, they don't have the proper technique and they don't know what they're doing. And I just, I've been thinking, I'm like, running is like a fundamental like movement. It's gates sped up, right? Like it's walking, going faster. And if, <laughs> If we were running is walking, we're going faster. Yeah, just turn it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, but if we were like, you know, back in in the days when we we're in the, you know, running around evolution monkeys, we would be dead if we couldn't run because yeah. we'd be eaten by lions or we wouldn't be able to, you know, get to where we need to get. And I think as a society, we sit so much, which is not an issue. Like, oh, it is an issue. But, you know, it's not the thing I'm pointing at. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that. <laughs> sorry I'm in a laughing mood now I love you yeah, keep going. No, it's good. Um, but I just think no I don't want people to take up running just for the sake of it and start mm. running but I just think that is it something we should be able to do probably you know like it is probably it is something and I would argue like yes there's lots of other types of cardio that you can do right but what about sports running is a, a need for most sports like you want to play tennis you want to play soccer you want to play football you want to play netball you need to know how to run right and it's not about oh I need a running coach now and I need to learn how to run it's not that it's just that we practice things and we do it and therefore we can and I think that's the skill of actually just being able to run right it's a form of cardio it's a form of movement and I just feel like it's a it's a basic ability that everyone should be able to have yeah and just for your own dignity I mean like when I used to catch the train to work I don't know years and years ago you'd, you'd just see those people who were running they were late for the train and they're just running and you, you don't want to look it's like oh fuck you can tell they don't do that often and you just yeah. feel so sorry for them yeah. and it's the worst experience for everyone involved obviously mm. they're not in the right attire because they're in their work suits and heels Suitcase. and whatever but it's just like oh no yeah. like you just you just need to be able to be in scenarios where you can pick up the pace and mm. the survival it's mm. a lot more comforting knowing that you have the ability to get out of danger mm. touch wood I hope no one ever has to but you know you need to be able to move quickly out of danger. Mm. Of course, when adrenaline 
and cortisol kicks in and you're in fight or flight, you're going to run. And even if you've never run before, you you will. The recovery from that's not going to be as good, but you will be able to do some sort of fast movements under that cortisol. But you want to be able to do it well, just as a like a basic survival instinct too. Mm. Yeah, and I think when we talk about like fitness abilities everyone should have, it, it's like fitness abilities everyone should have to be able to thrive. That's what it is. Like gone are the days where people think that doing any form of cardio before you lift is like going to significantly impact all your results and all your gains. Like it's just not true. And they show it with the interference effect. Like, of course, you're not going to go out there and do like a hit class just before you go and lift weights. But <laughs> if you're going to do five to 10 minutes of cardio, just to get some blood flow going, get your body moving, like get yourself in the right um, state of mind and everything, that's probably going to have more positive benefits. In fact, it will have positive benefits on your actual training session. And, you know, I know like hybrid training and all that sort of stuff. It's it's sometimes taken to the extreme, but I just think when we look at fitness, it's not just like strength or muscle building. Like fitness is conditioning, fitness is balance, fitness is coordination, like fitness is a lot of different things and how we actually apply it to our training is another thing. And so Mm -hmm. often we can get caught in just doing the same old thing, you know, the same old type of workouts or the same old training style. Um, And whilst that's important, I feel like at the start that you stick to something and learn how to do it well and then get those crossover benefits because you will um, naturally, when you first start training, you're going to improve all your fitness variables like conditioning, strength, skill, balance. You're going to improve all of that just by training. But eventually one of them is going to lack and something's going to lag. And that's what I was talking about um, at the start is like, one of those variables is going to lag. It's probably going to need a little bit more attention or reordering of your training or whatever it might look like. And that's just what I encourage people to start thinking about even as we go through this list is what is the variable that you're letting slide? Like what's the thing that's probably holding you back the most from progressing? Yeah, and it's not like this list is super unrealistic for the average person, obviously case by case, but we've made it pretty stock standard. So for those saying, yeah, but I'm a power lifter, I don't need to run five minutes. Again, we've highlighted the benefits of being able to, and there is some Look, there's not direct carryover into your powerlifting performance, but you'll have increased muscular endurance. Mm. Your organs will be a lot stronger, heart, lungs. Everything will be able to recover better, which will then enhance your ability to Mm. perform well at your sport. Again, as Sherelle said, you're not going to go do a big hit training session before your weights, or it doesn't even have to be beforehand. But just because you're a powerlifter, I'm just using that as one example, doesn't mean you don't need to run because it's not your sport. You should still have that basic ability. Yeah. And that's a good example because I think obviously powerlifting is taken to the extreme. You know, it's an extreme sport when it's done at a high level. They are naturally, there's a lot of, and I know I'm being stereotypical, a lot of them are quite unfit. You know, they, they don't have great aerobic fitness and it probably disadvantages them in some capacity because they're puffed from doing a set of five, you know, and that's that's just one example of like a lagging area of fitness. Um, obviously for them, it's probably specific needs and, you know, it's it's definitely not something I'm all over, but I'm just saying if you're a general fitness goer, you're probably not an elite power lifter. Um, maybe you are, I'm not sure, but if you're not and your goal is just to be healthier, fitter, stronger, live longer, um, feel better, then focusing on all the areas of fitness is only going to be beneficial. 
Yeah, or you can spin it the other way just so people in one category don't get upset. It, it also applies to a lot of bodybuilders, but then also, yeah. let's just say a yoga master. Yes, they, they need strength. They will not be able to squat, and a lot of them will not be able to squat and deadlift their body weight because it's not going to help them, you know, mm. do their moves. But it's like just your body weight, it's a low, low of enough benchmark to not mm. hinder your mobility capabilities. Yeah. yeah 100%. We're not saying bloody you hit a one RM. We're saying just yeah. have that baseline. Yeah. Even um the lady that I've been working with, she's an ex Pilates teacher and mm. she um gives me a lot of like low weight plyometric body weight stuff. And I'm like, oh like it's the death of me. And then she's like, I hate like heavy lifting. You know, that's the death of me that I do it. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, it's so true, right? Like what we're good at we like and we do more of so it's just natural that we keep pushing that but just because you can move heavy weights doesn't actually mean you're good at moving light weights and vice versa and that's why we need to challenge those different skills like a big part of fitness is actually doing the shit you don't like whether it's a front and plank or a heavy deadlift like you're gonna like some you're not gonna like some and every now and then in my um question box i'll get asked like what's your favorite exercise and i'm like i've, out- <laughs> I've outgrown this question the voice about- again Oh, sorry. I don't know. No, I love it. I have to bring it up because it's true. That's that's the voice of something that's just you know you've grown out of curious (laughs) but repetitive and no context and just a a fad and a trend. Yeah, like like you know, of course, there's going to be exercises that I enjoy, but I. I don't, I don't think about it like that anymore. I don't do exercises because I enjoy them. (laughs) I do exercises because I need them. Um, Mm. And I know not everyone thinks about fitness like that, but to me, like a big part of actual fitness, then the thing I love the most is just getting better at something. Um, And if I constantly just do the things I'm already good at and aim to be 0.5% better over the year, that to me is actually boring. And I would rather focus on the the my weaker links um, and make them 10% better. Like to me, that's really enjoyable because then I have more leverage to make those already pretty good things even better. So I think mm-hmm. it depends on what you're motivated by. Um, yeah, I know we're getting a little bit off topic. Sorry, we'll swing it back. Huh, it's all related. Was that it? No. Yeah, that was it. We can move on to the next one. Okay, just... Stop asking Cheryl that question, all right, yeah, guys? Yeah, uh, like good on you. And that's a true athlete's uh, mentality and mindset. So the next one you wrote swimming, but I don't know the context. So do we have mm. a, a measure like float or do you have to be able to freestyle or doggy paddle? What's what's yeah. with swimming? I feel like in Australia you should be able to get out of a rip pretty Fuck. Lit. I know. Sorry, I'm triggered because moving to Sydney from yeah, and anyone who lives in Hawaii or somewhere else will be like, guys, your waves mm. suck compared to ours. Oh, like, yeah. Ours are skyscrapers. All right, but in Sydney, moving from Melbourne where the waves are just so mellow, they're hot, you don't notice them, yeah. to Sydney has been very scary to the point where on some days when I go to the beach, I don't touch that water anymore and it makes me really sad. But mm. very important to try and learn how to at least – how to at least get out of a rip. I feel like that's like deadlifting four times your body weight in terms of comparisons. Well, obviously identifying a rip is probably going to be the first thing to do. But Red when, and yellow flags. Yeah, state, yeah, that's that's the one, right, right between <laughs> the flags. But there's a reason why we do swimming lessons, right? Like as children, I actually think it's like um, like mandatory in schools that you do swim. 
swimming lessons. They do it in schools. It's it's taught. I know there's a lot of countries that don't, uh, and that's what you would see as well at Bondi, Danny, is like a lot of different cultures that can't swim properly um, going into the water and going outside of the flags and going deep or, or even Very just scary. like honestly up to your waist. That's enough. If you're in a rip, you're gone. So I, I'm not saying swim in terms of like being an athlete. Um, I'm just saying I think swimming is another one of those ones that you should be able to be thrown in a pool and know how to swim out confidently um and you know get yourself out of tricky situations of course you know some of the stories are just absolutely horrendous it breaks my heart when you see them on the news because it's just absolutely devastating but I think you know knowing how to swim is yes important but I just think we need a bit of like endurance with it too we need to be able to get ourselves out of trouble um and we need to know how to be out how to actually move our body through water properly so I don't have any metrics but I'm not saying take up a triathlon or anything um (laughs) But I think it depends on the context in which you're swimming, right? But yeah. it comes down to the same with the running. There's going to be a time where you need it. Like you can avoid water, but there might, you know, we, we don't avoid things. Uh, we don't need skills for the time that we plan for it. We need the skills for the time that we don't. Yes, yes, because in those times, they're often accompanied with a lot of panic and irrational thinking. Mm-hmm. So you need to have some sort of baseline because in those times of irrational thinking, you default to your baseline. Let's just say we're in a pretty controlled environment and, you know, you accidentally fall in someone's pool. You weren't ready for it. Yeah. Cool. You're panicking. You're like, oh my God, you might've had a few drinks, for example, at a pool party, but you want to be able to learn how to float at least mm. or just have that baseline, but then do it in a way that you won't get immediately tired so that's definitely important. Swimming, I mean, Paul and I have already spoken about this. As soon as I saw these waves up in Sydney, not that they're there every day. La what do they Nina, look like? What, the, what are they? Oh, okay. So you know how La Nina is going on, that weird weather mm. thing that we're having on the east coast La of Nina. Australia? La Nina. <laughs> La Nina. I don't know. I just made it sound a bit more exotic. <laughs> La Nina. Bloody Lan. So yeah, like it's doing something to the humidity here and water yeah. is just coming down in the form of rain, obviously, but then it's also being carried over into the beaches mm. because the waves are like two metres big. But you let's just say you've got the sand and the shoreline, you've got one metre of water and then the waves start like as soon mm. as you're in the water. It's not like they're far out. It's like, okay, if you dip your toes in the water, you're going to get thrashed by these waves Mm. and you've got all the young kids who are maybe naive or maybe they've had their special swimming lessons they're loving it yeah then you've got me just on the end saying it's not Mm. freaking worth it um yeah no that's what it looks like here I was watching on the news the other day, they were saying, you know, they're talking about the amount of deaths that's already happened this year um, yep. in Australia. And they're saying it was like 90, 95% have actually been male um, because, you know, us, I'm like, not worth it. We're sitting on the mm. edge. Um, and sometimes there's a lot of the younger guys, younger teenagers, and that's what they were actually showing up. So the data says um, that have that sort of like fearless approach going out swimming. It's just water. But like you said, I feel like when you've got context, it's, it's, I just, no, nah, I hate when I can't see the bottom of water. I hate that. Oh, give me a pool. That's fine. I can see the bottom. But as soon as you can't see the bottom, because sometimes you walk out and then all of a sudden it's a drop. Yeah. I hate that. And then you're like, ooh. Yeah. I hope we're not bringing to light anyone's fears, but they're not irrational fears. I mean, yeah. every human has some sort of feeling towards deep water, mm. um, but it's just about, again, being mindful and avoiding situations. Like I did feel a little bit silly that I dressed up and went to the beach that day and got ready and it was really hot outside. But I go, you know what? It's actually not worth it today. Mm. And I stand by that because you know, my dad was in the water. That's when dad came and visited. So we're like, guys, we'll go to our amazing beaches here in Sydney. Let me show off and show around. Then I got there. I'm like, 
Oh no. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, honestly, I like hundred percent go to the beach and just like dip my water in and be like, that's enough. That's <laughs> I'm enough. Out. I'm out. Um, but yeah, I think swim, we just wanted to acknowledge that, right? Because obviously we don't do swimming sports, but you know, we've we've learned how to swim. Um, I like to think that I would be able to get myself out of trouble. It's not it's not always that easy. Um, but I think like having a little bit of confidence that you can is really important because if you just generally can't swim, you don't know how to, like you're gonna stress out even more, you're gonna freak yeah. out, you're gonna fight it, which is actually worse as well so swim was one we really wanted to add um, underneath running beautiful let's move on but if you're an adult who can't swim there are many adult swimming classes yeah like it's not a bad thing so actually do it yeah Um, good all right 10 body weight push-up this is where Sherelle starts to get a bit oh no I like it all right 10 body weight (laughs) push-ups it's very important because if you fall down on the ground and again Mm. I'm going from a, a rehab elderly lens so many people can't get off the ground. You get so many phone calls. Mm -hmm. Um, So-and-so's had a fall. They've been there for the whole day because they cannot get up. That's where being able to push up is mm. so important mm. in that environment. 100%. Yeah. But even just being able to do bodyweight push-ups, it's an expression of the strength of your chest and shoulders, right? And back. So And back, everything. But and-, I, and your brace, like everything, and your yeah. swimming abilities. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But I feel like like body weight push-ups, you know, underrated, but a lot of people can't do them. One, they don't do them, but it's a different sort of strength than uh, a chest press, right? It feels very mm. different. Like you said, it requires a lot of stability, balance, lots of other things too, good posture. Um, and when we say a lot of this stuff too, like we're, we're saying with good technique, like I don't care what your deadlift looks like if you're ripping it up off the ground. It needs to be um, good technique. So I just feel like 10 body weight push-ups, I know push-ups are probably a lot more of like a, a guy thing, like they include them in their training a lot more than what females do. But I, I definitely think you should be able to do at least 10 push-ups, like everyone, definitely. Yeah, and we're talking about on your toes. And I also want to make an announcement to never use the word girl push-ups for push-ups oh. on your knees. Oh, How bad really? was that? That's a thing, girl push Have you not heard? It's no. definitely a thing where they're like, yeah. oh, normal push-ups or girl push-ups? I'm like... Normal push ups are girl push ups, motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm like body weight or tricep. What are you talking about? Yeah, literally. You mean the grips? You mean one yeah. hand? Like, do yes. I have a plate on my back? What, what's Get this about? girl push up? Yeah, I know. Um, so. There was this ad going around a while ago. I can't remember what it was in response to, but it was like these um, researchers or interviewers asking these children, show me what it looks like to run like a girl. Have you seen that? (gasps) Yes, but please explain it. And they're like prancing around and, Mm. you know, and it just goes to show how important language is, um, not only for the younger generations, but to change the way society and cultures look at the way that women freaking train, right? And you will 100% um, be able to back me up with this Danny but when I was doing a lot of the app research for the women's health movement and I was researching women's fitness apps like it's horrendous honestly I'm like this is the shit that's sold to women this is what they think female training should be like this is an insult right there's no way to log my weights like there's just you know like just simple stuff that's like Like not actually training like just the majority of it's all circuit training um it doesn't actually have the principles of training, like mm. you know, tempo or like just basic stuff that I would classify is training. And I know that's very gender-based, right? Because if you go to an app that is female-centered, 
for training, a lot of the times it is just geared towards exercising and just random workouts rather than actual training. You go to a man's app for training, I guarantee you it's got a place to put your sets, a place to put your reps, um, a full cues, full exercise library. It's got all the features that I would classify as training. And to me, I was like, look, I shouldn't be surprised, but I still am. And I think it, a lot of it does stem from the way we use language, the way people still talk about toning, even though they might be using it for marketing, it still sends the wrong message because as professionals, we just shouldn't be using those words um, to describe muscle. You know, we should just be using the right terms. And that's obviously my opinion. There's going to be a lot of people that don't sort of agree with that, but that's just my lens and you can hear a little bit of my frustration in it. <laughs> I think the people that agree, that disagree, wouldn't be on this podcast listening anyway. But you're right. And I came across a reel last night on Instagram, one of those ones um, which I want to make a little spin off on. I think it was from the 80s or the 60s. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Women training, you know, those. Um, and it's just so different. They were all in high heels yeah, in the video. That. I don't know what it came from. It might have been a commercial. I'm not sure. Um, they're dressed beautifully. They've all got makeup on with their heels and they're just smiling as these machines just like rub yeah. on them and like move their body yeah. around for them. And it, it, it's it's just nuts. But that's what, you know, throughout each decade, the stereotypical women's training was. So only as of maybe the past 10, 20 years, or maybe. So young, isn't it? Because I still think 2000, anytime it's in the 90s, I add it up to 2000 and say, oh, 1960 was 40 years ago, but it's actually yeah. like 60 years ago now. Um, the changes are really slow, but they're, mm. they're picking up now. And, you know, we have the beauty of being able to spread that message and that influence and say, hey, guys, it doesn't have to be all pink dumbbells and smiling and training in high heels. It's like very similar to men's training, which we've made a podcast on. Um but, yeah, there's a lot of things that are hard to get out of our mind. And going mm. back to your point about running like a girl, even I have that subconscious thought that comes yeah. up on what is perceived as a feminine body language and running and prancing and all of that. Like it's still implanted in there yeah. just because that's what we've seen on TV, that's what we've heard about. But I love what they do to it because then they just show some boss-ass women yeah. doing the complete opposite. Yeah. Um, like that Nike ad as well with Serena Williams, yes. like showing women being powerful. That's that's like we need more of that. Yeah, and we need to – and to us, Danny, it's actually the normal. Like it's starting to feel like it's normal, like we wouldn't even – think of that but I do know there's just still like a huge we have such a long way to go still you know yeah. like you think that we're you think that we're making huge progress and then you know you get out out of our bubble into the real world and like I said I'm like oh what a normal fitness female app's looking like and I'm like really this is where it's still at and I just know it's mm. you know going to be another 50 years before it's completely the other way as well um but 10 body weight push-ups Men and women, like at least you should be able to do it. So I think that's definitely um, that's definitely that point made. <laughs> yeah. And the next one, I think this is probably the hardest on the list maybe. Mm. Uh, no, definitely. Uh, one unassisted pull-up because I know a lot of people will never be able to achieve this in their life. Yeah. Well, I said unassisted pull-ups and then I, and then I, I put at least one. Because well, you did, yeah. Added those that bracket of just at one least, rep. At <laughs> yeah. least one. At least one. Like you said, I think it is uh it is probably one of the hardest ones on there, pulling your own body weight up. 
is quite challenging. And especially for women, obviously, because we are um, genuinely a lot more lower body heavier and then not as strong in relation to our lower body as um, our upper body. But you can definitely train it. Don't get me wrong. Like everyone that can, I, I feel like if you can't, if you can deadlift your body weight, you should be able to do a pull up as well. Um, I would be concerned if you're, if you couldn't even move yourself on a bar, but you're deadlifting, I would actually be a little bit sort of, mm, there's discrepancy there. So all yep. these things bleed into each other, uh, but an unassisted pull up, it's a lot of everyone's goals. Um, all you got to do is train mm. for it, to be honest. Like I generally think you can get there in eight to 10 weeks if with proper training, if you've got all the foundations and and, you know, you're doing all the stuff like eccentrics and all those things, you 100% be able to get there. So it's not that you can't. Um, I just think it's it's something that we should be able to do is just pull yourself up. It's really good showing, it's highlighting. And that's what we should be sort of reflecting on. What's it actually showing? You know, it's showing good um, shoulder strength. It's showing good stability, back strength. Like it's showing grip strength, which is obviously another big key indicator of um, health and longevity. So it's not so much about what these things do. It's more about what they actually reflect or the things that it's actually showing like what is being able to brace actually showing it's showing your ability to be able to bring awareness to your core Um, it's showing good um, core control it's showing pelvic floor strength it's showing a lot of those things so that's what these actual fitness abilities are highlighting yeah love it and again if you've fallen down somewhere you need to grab onto something to pull Mm. yourself up it's not going to be as strict as a pull-up you'll use your legs as well but it's still important to have that um, upper body strength. But what when I was doing comp prep, like I could smash out so yeah, many unassisted like. pull-ups. Then yeah. I put on an extra 10 kilos after stage and it's hard. So, yes, 100%. you can train for it, as you said, totally, but I think body weight has a massive um, influence because I found it so much harder when I put mm. on body weight as well. It's not that I was getting weaker. It's just that I had more to pull up. Yeah. Yeah. And there is definitely that too. Um, it's going to be relative of your body size uh, and everything as well. But I feel like when you diet, like you, if you lose half a kilo to a kilo, like you can really notice it in your pull-ups. Yeah. I'm like, wow, because obviously you're not losing strength. Like it's a sort of a myth that you lose a lot of strength when you diet. If you're doing it properly, you shouldn't lose any strength at all, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just actually having to pull less, right, which is a great thing. And that's why we can all settle for one. Like I don't care that okay. you gain 10 kilos, you should <laughs> still be able to do 10, like a pull-up with that 10 kilos. <laughs> I'll go have a crack after this. Go have a crack, a go while. have a crack. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. We just wanted to highlight some of the key things and I might just run through them again. So you can you know have your tick list up in your mind, but fitness abilities that everyone should have, being able to deadlift and squat your own body weight at least, um, be able to brace and hold a plank for at least 60 seconds, uh, balance on one leg as well, being able to run for at least five minutes and not feel like you're going to die. Um, swim, whatever context that applies to you. 10 body weight push-ups on your toes, according to Danny. Uh, and then at least one assisted pull-up. But I want to say, you know, come on, set a five. I think we should probably. Oh, she's just moved the <laughs> Sorry, higher. no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. In the wrap-up, you just I'm up kidding. it. I'm kidding. Um, But yeah, those are the um, core abilities that we highlighted. I'm sure there's probably more as well. And if you come up with any, please definitely let us know if you think there's anything we should have added to the list. 
Yeah, and have fun with it. I want to hear or we want to hear how you guys go because hopefully yeah. you all, oh, it might be a bit hard to try the swimming one, but no, see if you can float. <laughs> if you can float, give it a tick. Yeah, yeah. And um, please tread with caution. If you don't deadlift, please don't just attempt your body Actually, weight. Actually, yeah, I'm going to just, look, there's a lot of fine print that I should have said before that. Disclaimer. So do this under supervision with care at your own skill level. Yes, absolutely. Or just try my arabesque. I feel like that one's pretty safe. Try the arabesque and it will just tick all of these off. Yeah, that's right. That's (laughs) right. Um, But thanks everyone for tuning in. We hope you did enjoy uh, this uh, little spontaneous episode. And if you did, as always, make sure you take a screenshot and tag us on Instagram. Thanks everyone.